feel like I'm <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis making a dress. It's the JT and Looney podcast, episode 22. JT, where you been? I was in London with the Raiders, Indianapolis. I was in Oklahoma visiting my son, who's a freshman in Oklahoma. And uh, I was on the road for 11 or 12 days, I believe. That took me from Vegas to Oklahoma to Indianapolis to London, uh, nonstop back to San Francisco and back to Vegas. So the jet lag is leaving me. And I'm so thrilled to be back on the JT and Looney podcast again. And the second you get off the plane from london from bloody london where the raiders look great you are against the bears nobody people that was the pick of the week every expert (laughs) expert in quotation marks every expert said that was the pick of the week the bears over the raiders because the raiders never play well in london and blah 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 and that bears defense and the raiders had a great game but then you get off the plane you land in vegas and those of us Turn on our Twitter on Monday and Tuesday, and you got a big new radio job. Yeah, I'm really excited. I landed at Mad Dog Sports Radio. You know, after the Fox deal wound down and came to an end, I was working with CBS Sports Radio and Mad Dog Sports Radio doing, I think, more work than I ever have this year. All these bizarre shifts and weekends and overnights and weekend overnights and all that, but it all paid off. I landed with the SiriusXM Mad Dog Sports Radio team. I love this group. Uh, This is a place that I've wanted to work for for several years i love their lineup i think it's the best lineup in sports radio and i love their management team and it connects me with a bunch of friends that i go back into the mid to late 90s with who i'm uh, hooking up with again so i couldn't be happier i'm on from uh, eight to midnight pacific time 11 to 3 a.m eastern nice. it's late night it's late night radio and i guess like they said tom in radio it all comes full circle oh, again. it keeps pulling you back in they keep pulling <laughs> you back in but i also think in a lot of ways that's where you are your best that's where you and i were at our best because we did different time slots over the years together and separately and because you get to react spontaneously not everybody mm-hmm. can do that and i think that's why a lot of people want you in that slot A lot of guys need the stories already in front of them. They need the stories written for them. They need their opinions written for them. And you provide a talent that a lot of other people can't. Ironically, it's radio and you're supposed to be spontaneous, but a lot of guys can't be spontaneous. You can be on the air when a tsunami happens in Japan, like you and I were, 9-11, like you were, or when a game is ending and somebody hits a a three-pointer to win a game kicks a field goal to win a game, an exciting overtime game. A lot of guys don't like to go off script and start talking about what's happened on the television. And that's your favorite thing to do. Yeah, we prided ourselves on that, and I still do, because I think we can handle watching sports live and then quickly reacting. Yes. Kind of like when Clayton Kershaw gives up two home runs on two pitches. I don't don't need a cup of coffee and a bagel meeting and seven (laughs) producers telling me what happened. I I have a feeling I know what's going to happen, and I can see the train wrecking or the dumpster on fire rolling past me. But one other point on this new radio show – uh, Sirius XM, it's satellite radio. So for those who listen to the podcast, this is a different platform here. A lot of people now automatically have a satellite radio in their car. Yeah. Uh, so their car comes with it. If you don't have one, you can just go to Sirius XM or MadDogSportsRadio.com and pick up a subscription. It's not a lot of money. You can listen to the show on demand. And I'm really proud of the fact that I'm here. And, you know, It's interesting because we're in radio. We're not putting out oil fires. Uh, We're not running uphill like in the military. We're not saving children's lives. We're not paramedics. But what what I learned in this last year, it's been pretty much a year, is that you you learn who your friends are and people who support you and want you to do certain things. I also learned that I was always on the radio the entire time and people say, where were you? I'm like, what do you mean where was I? I, I was working harder than ever. I got two podcasts. I got a local radio show. I have this show. But no matter how hard it is for people to find you or connect with you again, I'm so fortunate and blessed that we together built an audience over 14 years together uh, that is going to follow me. And you're going to be on with me often. And this podcast is just getting bigger and bigger as our numbers increase. So life is good. I'm really happy to uh, get going again. The only issue is I have to do 
six to six and a half hours of radio Whoa, a day. You poor guy. I know it's well, just, I, I know you'd rather be in a coal mine, but this is what you know, this is what you got stuck doing for a living. Well, when I don't have you to talk to, and it's me, and you come out of a break at like 10 30 at night, which is 1 30 in the morning, and you go, All right, I guess it's just me. Uh, let's get these phones going. And then the local work that I do in Vegas, I'm really motivated on the flagship of the Golden Knights and you know, the Raider work I'm doing. So I'm happy. I'm in a good, good place. I'm happy that there's another a big opportunity here in front of me, which hopefully will be an opportunity for us together again down the road. So I'm ready to fly again. Well, uh, late night radio alone is fascinating because it's dark out and you do feel like a crazy person. And it does take a crazy, you know, you have to have a little bit of crazy in your DNA to sit mm-hmm. in a room uh, and talk into a microphone and pretend that you're talking to another person (laughs) because it's just like, you know, monologuing when you're driving in your car. I know talk show hosts do it and broadcasters do it. I don't think normal people do. So it takes a tad bit of abnormal for a guy to sit in a room and speak into a microphone as though someone's listening. They swear, they tell you they are there. They're not used to calling anymore. So sometimes they don't call. So you just have to sit there and do, pretend radio and then hope it's real <laughs> yeah a couple of things on that point first off sure. i'm trick i'm tricking my brain i'm okay. tricking my brain all the time to make believe that i'm doing something and i'm on at eight o'clock pacific time at right. eight o'clock pacific time i'm i'm going on the air on mad dog radio sirius xm 82 before lebron james even gets close to halftime so right. at the end of the first quarter the second quarter so you know, I'm going to have that game going on. There's going to be games Thursday night football, Monday night football that I'm going to be on while the games are going on and then reacting to it. And then the other thing that I, I'm trying to get my head around, and it might take some time, is the audience on satellite radio is subscription-based. So right. I can't treat some of the calls. You know, I think I treat the callers great because right. we, we put them on the radio. That's the first thing. When you put people on the radio and don't park them on hold for 20 minutes, don't mock them. When you put them on, it's a win-win. You're giving them an opportunity, and they are so nice to be calling in. But, Tom, these are customers, unlike right. terrestrial radio, <laughs> where they turn on their AM, FM dial, and I could hang up on them and right. time them. Uh, these are the customers who are actually paying. Well, they might ask for their money back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, re- and real radio, terrestrial radio, as they call it in the business, uh, they can't ask for their money back because it's free. At Sirius XM, uh, you uh, treat them too poorly. They could ask for their money back. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and they know and they know how to track the money. And uh, we've yeah. always said this because you've been a radio geek and you study the business. No one knows who's listening to sports talk radio on the AM and FM dial. It's the right. biggest scam. It, <laughs> wink, wink. I hope I hope no. I hope no consultants are listening. Right. No one knows who's ever listening. You hear about right. a, a handful of people like six in a giant city like San Francisco or L.A. or Dallas and Detroit. And they have these things called people meters mm-hmm. and supposedly they turn them on they oh they fill in logs and they tell you where they're listening and it's such a tiny tiny percentage of the people that we know have been loyal and listening to us our entire careers right so this is going to be fun satellite radio i'm into this new platform and again thanks to sirius xm uh, for giving me this great opportunity i'm going to knock it out of the park well i love that you snuck the word platform in it makes yeah. it sound like a broadcast professional we have to did you ever notice that now we have to sneak in you know, uh, sportscasters always have their own lingo, but broadcasters too. We get to use the word platform a lot. We weren't using the word platform ten years ago. Yeah, now we get I'm to use the-, the word platform. Well, well, in my in my upcoming memoir, if yeah. I have one, I'll, I'll write about that. I'm on satellite radio, which is a platform, mm-hmm. terrestrial radio, and mm-hmm. also podcast, hosting a couple of podcasts, including this one. And yeah, there are different platforms, and there are other ways that listeners can consume. One thing I like about satellite radio and terrestrial radio, if it's tied to your phone, you can listen on demand. So yes, even, yes. Though, even though I'm late at night, you know, people can pick up the Sirius XM app and just hit my name and listen to the show on demand, which I hope they do. Excellent. And this football season, what's perfect about uh, oh. the, the podcast as we speak, as of this day, as of October 10th, 2019, as Walter Cronkite would say, of ancient reference lost on our younger listeners. Uh, we have enough math to take a look at this NFL year and make severe judgments as we do. 
Absolutely, and I think that's where we'll begin on this episode because once we get through the first quarter of the season, I've been saying that with you for 20 years. John Gruden taught me about how to break down the season in quarters, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't look at stats in the first two weeks. Well, I wait don't. a minute. Don't go so fast. What did he teach you? What well, does he basically, mean? wait till you get to that first quarter. That first quarter is critical because then you get to know the identity of your team. You have mm-hmm. an identity, you think, in the preseason. In, in training camp at OTAs, but until you get punched in the mouth for four games in a row and you play through week four, and then you can look at your offensive stats, your defensive stats, points given up, points scored. Then you start to look at a team and you get to know what they're all about. So that's what I tend to do. Once we get to the quarter pole, I start diving into the stats, start looking at teams and trying to see their identity. The problem with that is that many teams are eliminated before Halloween. And this concerns me in football because I've been a part of it as a fan and working for a team. If you don't make the playoffs, your season ends typically on New Year's Eve. That weekend of New Year's Eve, you don't make the playoffs. You don't play another football game. You don't play January, February, March, April, May, June, July, preseason games that no longer matter in August. And you got to wait nine months until September. If you get blown out in the month of September and go one and three and oh and four, you waited nine months to play four football games to be out of the playoffs and be done to know that you have to play the rest of the season and get this wait till the following September again to play meaningful games. It's a brutal business if you're not winning football games. It really is. And when you take a look at the Raiders, I want to start with the Raiders first. Since you've been traveling with the Raiders, people love to hate on the Raiders. Like as a Laker fan, I know how that feels, JT. People are looking for the Lakers. Many times even predicting the Lakers will fail, not because they really think it'll happen, because they want it to happen. They hope it'll happen. It's sports hate. Raiders always have that. They're the onions of the NFL. People love them or hate them. But people seem to have forgotten not only how much John Gruden knew when you watched him on Monday Night Football and you watched him sit down with quarterbacks, when you watched what he did with the Raiders, who had gone through several coaches before the first time he was coaching the Raiders. People thought Dick Vermeil can come out of retirement and win a Super Bowl. John Gruden can come out of retirement and win at least win some football games for the Raiders. Or his second Super Bowl, uh, someone down the road. The interesting right. part, and we'll start with the AFC and the Raiders, is the Antonio Brown saga was real. And the Raiders tried to keep Antonio Brown up until the Saturday before Monday night football. Then Antonio Brown lost his mind. Mm-hmm. He wanted right. his freedom. He was flying around in his rented house in the backyard in the Bay Area before he ended up with the Patriots. And John Gruden put a tremendous amount of time in uh, putting together plays for Antonio Brown. Let me repeat, not putting together plays for the Raiders offense, putting plays together for Antonio Brown. Hundreds of hours of working on one particular player who was going to change the concepts and the striking power of that team. So once Antonio Brown melted down, the Raiders had to go in a different direction. Then they lost Vontez Perfect a couple of weeks ago in Indianapolis on that hit, which I believe was cause for suspension, but not the entire year. So they lost Mm. their captain on defense, their most explosive player on offense, but they won back-to-back games, beating Indy, And Indy ended up beating Kansas City, so Indy's for real. And then they completely dominated the Bears in London, took Khalil Mack out of the game with a player in Josh Jacobs who was drafted exactly in the spot of a draft pick that they got for Khalil Mack with those two first-round picks. Remember, the Raiders had three Mm first-round picks. Jonathan Abram, their star safety, was gone after the first game. And Josh Jacobs came through and was a better player in London than Khalil Mack. So the Raiders get to three and two, and they're off to a pretty good start considering they have the toughest schedule in all of football. Oh, yeah, and their schedule just gets tougher and tougher. And so right now at three and two, as we are a little bit more than a quarter way through the season, John Gruden must be pretty happy. Yeah, he is happy. I spent some time with him in London at a posh, um, a posh, beautiful country club uh, resort an hour outside of London, hosted a podcast with him. And, you know, the guy's a workaholic. He wants to win. He wants to win every day. And to win those two games, I could say that I was surprised. I wasn't shocked 
but most of the NFL is shocked. And as we stay in the AFC West, I was shocked that Kansas City lost a home game to the Indianapolis Colts. There's no Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett and that offensive line went into Arrowhead last week and pounded the living daylights out of Kansas City. And I think they showed us in that victory that Kansas City might be susceptible to going up against a physical offensive line that can push around a team and win the time of possession battle. You leave Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines and then you bring him back in when he's trailing, he might panic and he panicked in that game. Well, not only that, it, it, one little bit of uh, of worry if you're a Kansas City Chief fan, one ingredient would be, is that team just a fair weather team? In other words, when it starts to rain and drizzle and you're playing in the wind and the muck and the mud and the mire, is the Kansas City Chiefs team too high octane to play smash mouth football in the winter? Because that's when the big games are played in December and January outside. If things stay the way they are in Kansas City and New England. Yeah, I think they are capable of doing it. They just seem to get tight. Andy Reid loses the last big game every year in the playoffs, but I'm such a believer in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't have one of his elite no. great games there, but I think Kansas City is going to bounce back. They're 4-1 and one on the year, and remember, they're 3-0 and oh on the road so far this year with a plus 35-point differential. So Kansas City, I expect them to bounce back and easily win the AFC West. Let's stay in the West with the Chargers. Oh, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna tee you up here. I might just walk <laughs> away out of my wife's closet here and come back like a half hour later. <laughs> what the hell is going on with Phillip Rivers and these injuries? This was the best roster in football last year with seven Pro Bowlers. And it seems like most of those guys are hurt and they're playing their worst football right now. Well, every team has injuries. The Chargers are pretty predictable year in and year out, JT. As a franchise, when you take a look at the, I always say, if you want to pick, if you want to go blind and just pick winners of divisions, just go by organizational history. These are the Chargers, year in and year out, under Philip Rivers, losing games they shouldn't lose. Philip Rivers throwing key interceptions, playing poorly in the free, such a slow starter, playing so poorly in the first and second quarter. Yeah, he's got a lot of great comebacks because he digs his team into a hole and then tries to dig his team back out. Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. And when you look at their roster, and I've gone to some of their games, they play in a very intimate setting in Los Angeles. <laughs> and I've gone to so StubHub Center, Carson's, I think keep changing the name, but it's a soccer field that seats 25,000 people. It's a great place to see a game. You take a look at their roster that they hand the media, and they got, you know, they got 10 guys that they pay really well, and all the backups, a lot of them, are guys who are undrafted, guys who are unheralded out of college. And they're really, they're really actually quite a decent operation when it comes to gluing together talented people and diamonds in the rough that were undrafted by other teams. But year in and year out, it doesn't even seem to mean who, seem to matter who's coaching Philip Rivers, who you seem to like. Uh, they, they lose games that they shouldn't lose constantly. And they, and they come out of the starting gate slow and sluggish in September and October and play really well in November, December and tease those poor fans who say, well, next year. This is a big deal because the roster, the injuries keep piling up. If it's Derwin James, if it's Pounce, yeah. whoever it is, someone's always getting hurt, but they got a big problem on their hand because when they decided that they weren't going to play Melvin Gordon, I said big mistake. And the big mistake was not because Melvin Gordon's as good as Zeke Elliott or the next Walter Payton, but they're moving into a new stadium in Inglewood and they can't even sell tickets in that tiny soccer stadium. Right. So how they, how are they going to sell tickets in Inglewood? We already know that Stan Kroenke's not happy with the Spanos family. Uh, he doesn't believe that the chargers are pulling their weight with PSLs and tickets and all that. So I thought the Spanos family would say time's running out for rivers. Let's get Melvin Gordon in here. Now they got him in there, but he's not in regular season shape. And they've already dropped the big game to the Denver Broncos at home in the division. And they're making excuses. The Chargers season is on the brink. They are two and three. 
I thought when the season started, they'd be 10 and six, easily a wild card, one of the two in the AFC. Unless they get going real quickly here, I think the Chargers in the next two to three weeks can play themselves out of the playoffs. Is this an exaggeration or not when I say to you after week five, we've been on the air together since 2004. After week five, aren't we always saying the Chargers season is on the brink, no matter who's been coaching that football team? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, but last year they were a great team and they went into New England and it turns out that Rivers is 0-9. I repeat, 0-9 versus Tom Brady. And I thought that they were going to be competitive in that game and and they got blown out. I expected them to be much better. Uh, Denver's in that division at 1-4. Oh, and here's a dirty little secret. Joe Flacco forgot how to play quarterback. For our new expanding podcast audience, I'll remind everybody your theory on Joe Flacco. That after he had the MVP season and won the Super Bowl, he forgot how to play quarterback. And each year with my trusty NFL quarterback rating, when once the season is over, the good ones are at the top, the bad ones are at the bottom. And he's always down at the bottom near all the rookies. Yeah, That's he, how bad he is the last three or four years. He's at the bottom near the rookies. They, they really are trying. Uh, they are trying to turn that around with that defense, but I think getting buried with that one and four start is going to be just a slow start where they don't get anywhere near the playoffs. The AFC South really intrigues me because before the start of the season, I picked Jacksonville to win the division because of Nick Foles, Jalen yep. Ramsey. Well, Jalen Ramsey, he wants out. He's been faking injuries. He's talking about his back. He went back for the birth of a child. He's doing everything that he can to get traded, and no one's trading for him because the trade isn't hard. Anybody can do the trade with Jacksonville. They don't want to pay him what he wants. He wants new money. And like Antonio Brown got $30 million that he was right. going to get from the Raiders. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's going to want 50 or $60 million. So teams are balking on that. But how about the gardner Mishu era? And the way he's playing, all, all of a sudden, this guy with the headband can keep them in the hunt all year long. I think that's one of the great surprise stories of this year. And I love the surprise stories. And anybody who's ever played football, probably any sport, this is go, this goes back to my theory. And, I, you know, I love coaches, and they're great mentors and leaders of young men, and they change lives. But they can also be idiots. And you can time after time. Trent Green has to get hurt before before people realize, oh, Kurt, coaches realize, oh, Kurt Warner's the best quarterback on our team because they make up their decision ahead of time. And everybody's been on that team, whether it's Little League or high school, college or pro, where the coaches don't seem to know who the best player is because they've already made up their mind. Dick Vermeil didn't know that Kurt Warner was the best quarterback on his team. And uh, Patrick Beverly, I always point to, his first game he ever played was on the Houston Rockets D-League team. And then he got brought up, and in his first NBA game, he had like 39 points because they were too dumb to realize he was the best guy on the court. So it happens a lot, and it's happening in, in Jacksonville. They might, they've already made up their mind that Nick Foles was the guy, and now this porn star-looking guy from the 70s <laughs> is their starting quarterback, and he's really good. Uh, Tennessee's 2-3, and three, but they're 0-2 at home. I think that 0-2 start at home is going to keep them out of the playoffs. And oh, Indianapolis. Oh, oh, wait, before you pop up to Indianapolis, okay. when you've got a quarterback, at Marcus Mariota, his greatest game was his first game. And he is like a deadbeat dad. He's scheduled to show up 16 times a year. Just 16 times. That's all you got to show up, dad. And he shows up about every four or five weeks and teases them and takes them to Disneyland. <laughs> And they go, oh, my God, we're going to Disneyland every Sunday. No, just every four or five Sundays. And then he stinks it up for three or four weeks. Then he's good again. Marcus Mariota is teasing the hell out of those Tennessee Titan fans. Yeah, he is. And it's been a struggle this year because he's in a contract year, and I don't think they're going to bring him back. But are you going to get a better athlete? He's still really young. He's won a Heisman Trophy. He's fast outside the pocket, but uh, he'll have to save the season in order for him to keep the job. Right. Now, the, the the Indianapolis Colts, when I was in Indy, the Raiders were playing Jacoby Brissett, so they had a chance to be in that game because there was no Andrew Luck. And right. their offensive line is fantastic. I think it's the second or third best O-line in football, but they weren't able to push the Raiders around. The Raiders won that game. Indy got beat, and then they bounced back and won in Kansas City. Indianapolis is 3-2. and two. And, Tom, Frank Reich is turning out to be 
one of the best offensive minds in all of football. That team now with that win at Kansas City, I think it saves their season. They're three and two. We could have been talking about a team here at two and three uh, chasing Houston with Deshaun Watson as the Texans look as explosive coming off their 50-plus point win last week. So I still like I'm still I'm not going to say the Jaguars anymore because Foles is out for the year, but it's going to come down to the Texans and the Colts. And I'm going to give the Texans an edge because of J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, some of their star players there. But Indy's really good. And that offensive line, they could run the football downhill. Yeah, and Frank Wright probably unheralded because of where he's coaching and where he played. He was the Buffalo Bills backup quarterback, and he could be in the backup quarterback Hall of Fame if there was any such thing, JT, because I know you love a great backup quarterback, and there's very few, and he might have been the greatest of the greatest of all backup quarterbacks, engineered the greatest comeback in NFL playoff history uh, with the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Oilers. And he was just a, and the greatest comeback, I think, in college football history when he played at the University of Maryland. And so he's a guy, a lot of times the guys with the chip on their shoulder who weren't the best pros end up being outstanding coaches. And it looks like it may happen in Indianapolis with Frank Wright. Yeah, I think the last big takeaway in the AFC South is Jacksonville and the Titans are both two and three, and they're only one game out of first place. Yep, so yep. Th- th- it's really early there. We go to the AFC North and the oh, fast start oh, oh, of Lamar oh. Jackson. The fast start for him, the loss at Kansas City. Uh, this is a really good football team, one of the more physical football teams out there. I love the way Baltimore is playing. I love their coach. I think they do everything right, but I still don't trust their quarterback. He's a running quarterback who doesn't have to make big plays with his arms. I do not trust him. He's a work in progress. He's better than I thought, but I think the Ravens are going to have problems at the quarterback position when it gets cold and that quarterback just can't tuck and run and they got to keep him healthy because he still runs like a maniac. Oh, he still really does, but he knows how to avoid getting hit, how to avoid getting pop. His quarterback rating is at 99. JT is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So you can say he's still a work in progress, but if that guy is your work in progress and this is his first year as a starter in the NFL and he's playing, he's playing just like he did at Louisville. He's hitting the he's hitting the wide open receivers like some sometimes these guys Tim Tebow type running quarterbacks come out of college and his, your argument was if you can hit wide open guys in college he can do it in the NFL and those smaller windows that they have in the NFL sometimes fool uh, uh, these great college quarterbacks they don't seem to be fooling Lamar Jackson I have more of a belief in Lamar Jackson than it seems you do. And you know I love my running quarterbacks. I want him to do well in the NFL. He's so much fun to watch. Hey, this is a team that scored 161 points so far this year. I repeat, 161 points. The Chiefs have 148, and the Texans have 131. The Patriots have 155. So they've scored more points than any team in the AFC. And as I look down, more than any team in the NFL. So give them a lot of credit. That offense oh. has been explosive. Yeah, but I give think Lamar the Jackson the, the credit and the props, as we love to say, sports talk radio, that he deserves because he's way, way better at this point in the season than guys like mm-hmm. Jared Goff, who went to the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers, a much better quarterback rating than Aaron Rodgers or Phillip Rivers or Carson Wentz, and all these guys that the media loves. Lamar Jackson have a, having a much better year than those guys. I can't believe I'm going to include the Steelers with the throwaway Bengals. The Bengals are 0-5. The Steelers don't have Big Ben. They're on the third-string quarterback. They're 1-4. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to quit. I know Cincinnati's already quit. Those players have checked out. But I want to get to the Cleveland Browns because this is the most fascinating topic in sports radio. I I am amazed. Allegedly. (laughs) I I am amazed how grown men in their 50s wake up every morning and want to talk about Baker Mayfield. I, I mean, it's, it's, I've seen, you know, LeBron's one thing. He's LeBron James, right? And right. Tom Brady is another thing. But Baker Mayfield every day gets national coverage on the sports dial on sports television because is he the first ever quarterback to be cocky and have a chip on his shoulder and no. have a, a swagger. I, I, you would think so this year because everybody keeps hammering him and coming off that loss against the 49ers. He was awful in that game. I actually heard people say he's done. He's overrated. 
Uh, he needs a new coach. I mean, people are panicking all because of Baker Mayfield and the fact that he's not undefeated this year. Well, I think one of the reasons why they're panicking is through five games, we have the math, and he is the worst quarterback in the NFL. And that's not Ooh. an opinion. That's just the numbers. That's not an opinion. Ooh. That's the, yeah, the worst quarterback in the NFL. Guess about guess, you know, one of the reasons he's the worst quarterback in the NFL is uh, this is his first year as a starting quarterback. And when you say he's arrogant, he's cocky, every quarterback in the NFL is arrogant and cocky and has an enormous ego. Uh, you can't name me one that doesn't, because if you aren't arrogant and cocky, see, people think those things are negative. They're not negative unless you think you're better than other people and treat other people poorly. But you need to believe you're a better player. You're the best player on earth. You're, you need to have an enormous ego and incredible arrogance to even think you can be a quarterback in Division One college football, let alone at the professional level. It takes amazing guys with enormous ego, arrogance, and hubris mm -hmm. to even think they can be a quarterback in the NFL, let alone make it and be the first-round draft pick overall. So, no, to answer your question, no, he's not the first cocky quarterback to run a football team in the National Football League. He's number 1,142. Baker Mayfield broke the rookie touchdown record for the quarterback position. Think of the rookies who have played in this league yeah. on bad teams. Go back and look at Peyton Manning's rookie year. You remember Troy Aikman, 1-15 with the Cowboys? Yeah. yeah, go go look at those numbers, and Cleveland has always been a doormat. So for Baker Mayfield, he had a great experience, and I think pretty good year last year. I think he's going to turn it around because the Steelers are out of it, the Bengals are out of it, and they're only one game behind the Ravens in the loss column. I picked Cleveland to get to the playoffs only via the division. They can't get in via the wild card. The wild card, I think, is going to come out of the West. There's going to be one out of the West, and I think probably one in the South. But I still think Cleveland's going to play their best football in front of them. This game coming up with our buddy Chris Myers on the call yes. as they're taking on Seattle is a big one. If they beat the Seahawks after the Seahawks came off that emotional win, 30-29 to against the Rams, Baker and Cleveland will be right back on the front page. Oh, yeah. Everybody will be praising well, him. Well, everybody, the, the, the toast of the NFL right now is Russell Wilson and the year he's having. He gets better and better every year, and he's uh, he's carrying the Seattle Seahawks uh, on his back. That revamped defense is pretty good, too. Pete Carroll can just do anything with anybody. He's he's, he's a great head coach. Mm -hmm. And and so people are just assuming that Seattle's going to waltz into Cleveland and win that game. But when teams are embarrassed like the Cleveland Browns are, these are big guys, as I talked about, with big egos who are all Americans who play for the Cleveland Browns, a lot of them first-round draft picks. They're going to at least keep that game close. And here's a fun fact for you. Well, I like fun you can, facts. You know I love my NFL quarterback rating. The five worst quarterbacks, and I'm going to go from one to five because it drives you crazy. The five worst quarterbacks in the NFL who have started every game for their, their team. Number one, worst quarterback in the NFL, Baker Mayfield. Number two, Josh Allen quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. Number three, Kyler Murray, exciting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. At number four, Jared Goff of the L.A. Rams, who had been in the Super Bowl last year. And at number five, fifth worst quarterback in the NFL so far, with the math, is Andy Dalton, Cincinnati Bengals. Well, let's move to the AFC East because the Dolphins and the Jets are combined 0-8. Uh, you would think that the Jets were better than the Dolphins. No, the record proves they both suck. Uh, the Jets are 0-4. <laughs> Sam Darnold had mono and is coming out of it, and the Dolphins just unloaded their roster, and they're terrible. So both of those teams haven't won this year. Uh, your Buffalo Bills up there yes. in western New York, uh, tremendous so far this year. That defense is one of the best defenses in all of football. They're 3-0. and on the road this year. And we know yeah. how tough it is to play in Buffalo when they'll be home later in the year. I think Buffalo, I didn't expect to say this. They're, they're the front runner for one of the wild cards that they're a bigger front runner than the chargers or a team like the Colts or the Jaguars for a wild card, because they're not beating the Patriots to win that division. Buffalo is also playing brutal, brutal defense uh, in the NFL. One of the top defenses in the NFL, as they take a look right now, mm -hmm. They have uh, they have the third best defense in the NFL. So the Buffalo Bills 
are doing it with defense. They got to get better quarterback play, as I mentioned, out of Josh Allen, who's uh, who's got a pretty bad quarterback rating so far. And it's nice to see that, too. If something were to happen in New England to Tom Brady and everybody on that team got a staff infection, then the Buffalo Bills will win that division. But that's a lot of ifs and buts. One of my favorite stats is points per game, what you give up defensively. And if you're that's, at 15, that's the only one I look at. Right. If you're at 15 or under, you're really good. And those teams consist of the Vikings, 14.6, the Niners, 14.3, Buffalo at 14 points. They give up the Bears, 13.8. And then if we had a drum roll, Patriots, the 5 yes. and 0 Patriots, check out these defensive stats. They've only given up 34 points. In five games, 6.8 points a game. That's real. They're only giving up 78 rushing yards. But here's the big one, 161 passing yards. This is the best Patriot defense on paper in Patriots history. And there's no Teddy Bruschi or Willie McGinnis or Ty Law or Revis Island. Uh, the way that Belichick, and they're doing it because their schedule is the easiest I've ever seen them have, ever. Uh, the, the easiest schedule they've ever had in their 20-year run at Super Bowls this year. So I think their defense is very good, but I think they're beating up on cupcakes oh. up and down. But you did misspeak there. No, the Cleveland Browns are good on paper. <laughs> on paper. But in reality, the New England Patriots are great. And this is five weeks worth of math. They've been number one every week when it comes to defense by far giving away usually four times less than most other teams. Most other teams in the NFL, most other teams give away at least uh, 24 points a game. They just give away 6.8 points a game. They are leaps and bounds the best defense in the NFL. And it's not, uh, it's not nothing debatable. The numbers are right there in front of us after five weeks. Well, I'm going to debate you. I'm going to come right at you because of the schedule. They opened up against the Steelers, who are now pretenders, a joke, but I'll give them credit for that. Ben Roethlisberger played in that game. They won 33-3. to Then they played the hapless Dolphins and beat the <laughs> Dolphins 43 to nothing. Then they played the Jets without Sam Darnold, beat them 30-14. to Then they played the Bills, and they struggled, only winning 16-10. Right. to And what did they get? What did they get rewarded for after the Bills game? Oh, nothing. The Redskins. <laughs> fired Jay, fired Jay Gruden after that game, uh, thirty-three to seven. So well, the schedule has been an yeah. embarrassment. I would have sounded a lot smarter if you hadn't just uh, <laughs> you yes. hadn't just read the Patriots' schedule. So maybe they don't have the best defense in the NFL when you read their schedule. But that's the Patriots' schedule, tiptoe through the tulips, year in and year out. Oh, it's driving me more crazy this year than ever. Let's oh, run to the let's run to the NFC, and we'll start with the NFC East, where at three uh, and two, the Eagles and the Cowboys are both three and two. But the Cowboys have lost two in a row, and the Eagles have won two in a row, and their stats are pretty close. Eagles have a plus thirty differential to the Cowboys, plus forty one. I think the Cowboys are a better team. Uh, Dak Prescott waiting on a contract. Amari Cooper waiting on a contract. Zeke Elliott's been very quiet. The last couple of weeks, Tom, but here comes Carson Wentz. And like I thought before the season even started, it's going to come down to the final week of the year between the Eagles and the Cowboys to yep. win that division. I'll stick with the ta- Cowboys because of their offensive line. I think they have a little bit better talent on their roster. And let's talk about your New York Giants. Are you excited by the Daniel Jones era and the New York Giants? Are you excited about the Giants and that that shabby defense, but that fun, cute offense that they have? Well, bringing him in, they did it at the right time. They couldn't bring him in. If they didn't bring him in up until now, they don't bring him in for the Patriot game. They want to bring him in and get him a win. That, That game at Tampa Bay was incredible. His coming out party, and he's fast. He's big. He's athletic outside the pocket. When he has a clean pocket, like Eli, he throws a great ball. So no doubt about it, in a matter of just a handful of games, he proves that he's the franchise quarterback going forward. I think Giant fans should be ecstatic that he has the poise. He's ready for this opportunity and the whole city of New York, the tri-state area, Jersey. They're all excited for him because he's winning everybody over. And there are now guys, uh, and they're for, about 40, that have just turned 40, guys in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area who have turned yeah. 40. And they didn't start watching sports until they were about 10 or 11. So they have to believe people who are 
way older than their 60s and 70s who have told them, you know, the Redskins used to be good, kiddo. The Redskins have been bad for a long time. Yeah, and the Bruce Allen, you know how much that hurts. Bruce Allen's a mentor of mine. He had that press conference talking about the culture, firing Jay Gruden. They have hit rock bottom. Uh, Not many people believe in them. Not many NFL insiders, their fans don't believe in them at all. But Daniel Snyder's going nowhere. You're I don't right. think he's a I don't think he's a good owner, but it's his team. And he's gonna try to turn it around once again. And Dwayne Haskins will get an opportunity to play. We go to the NFC North, uh, where the Packers are clearly the best team. They're four and one, uh, two and one at home. Uh, this is a team with Aaron Rodgers. They're not explosive. They're not having an amazing year offensively just yet, but their win against Dallas on national TV really showed everybody how balanced they are at running the football, uh, playing defense, getting off the field on third down. I think the Packers win that division easily. Oh. And Aaron and Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, as long as he's healthy, I think that he's going to learn that new offense with Matt LaFleur, and they're going to get better week in and week out. It might be psychological with Aaron Rodgers, not as long as he's healthy, as long as he's happy. And Aaron Rodgers, for the first time ever, seems happy. He wasn't happy before. Uh, if that affects his game in a positive way uh, and helps even helps with that chip on his shoulder that we can all see. Sometimes you have to dig down to find the chip on his shoulder that drives a man. You don't have to do that with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> it's right there for us to see. But if that, that defense is only going to give up 17 points a game, they're going to win their games. Uh, the Lions are 2-1-1. One, and one. We always pass on the Lions. If it was yeah, a I game, know. it was a board God. game, we just pass. Yeah. But then we get to the Bears and the Vikings, and I was shocked that the Bears' defense got dominated by the Raiders when I was in London. Uh, the Vikings have a great defense. Uh, that defense is really good. So both yeah. of those teams are at 3-2. and two. The problem is, in that division, you have Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, and then it drops off <laughs> as we wait for Mitchell Trubisky to get healthy. Yep. And and Kirk Cousins, I think the last win they had against the Giants got him going, and maybe Stefan Diggs can get in line and be quiet here, and they can get that offense rolling again. But Kirk Cousins has always been one of those guys with great upside, and we keep I like waiting. Cousins. I know yeah. you always have, but you've got nothing to back it up. You just like <laughs> you just like him because his numbers don't back it up. He he can be a bum slayer, really good <laughs> against bad teams, and then. Not so good against real teams. And, you know, that your New York Giant defense, he looked good against them. Well, uh, Greg Cosell was on TV saying he thought the Giants defense the first two weeks was the worst. He's never seen anything like it, the worst thing he's ever seen. And he said, remember, I'm not a 22-year-old blogger. I've never seen anything like this. So hmm. the Giants have improved the last couple of weeks on defense, but they are so bad that Kirk Cousins looked good against them. Yeah, I think that'll be the best race in football to the playoffs. A division winner between the Packers, Lions, Bears, and Vikings as we're yeah, in week five going to week six. It's going to be fantastic. Let's go to the NFC South oh, with Atlanta. How about the Saints? Oh, okay, start with the – okay, start with the yeah. Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, Atlanta's one and four. They're out of it. They're going to make a coaching change. Dan Quinn uh, wanted to call the defense on top of being the head coach, and they oh. just can't get it done. Oh. Matt Ryan is actually regressing there, a dirt cutter. They're just not hitting it. They're not blocking well. Uh, Ryan seems rushed, and he's losing a lot of those strong fundamentals. I give credit to Jameis Winston. That season could have fell apart for the Buccaneers. Uh, they're two and three. I think the Buccaneers, their defense is one of the best in all of football. So that'll keep them around 500 for most of the season. Uh, Carolina has got Christian McCaffrey. Tom, is there anybody with better highlights so far this year through week five than Christian McCaffrey attacking defenses, either getting it on a screen pass or running downhill? I love watching him play. Oh, my God. I've always loved watching that team because, you know, I love watching Cam Newton when he plays well, which, again, is once every five weeks. I love seeing Cam Newton play well. But Christian McCaffrey brings it every week and just maybe the best all-around back we have seen in a generation. If he can stay healthy because they pound him so much and he's not the biggest guy in the football field. He's one of those guys when you go to a Pop Warner game or a high school game and the little guy that's killing everybody in a big man's game. It's great to see. And I feel like I've been you know, proven right, even with Teddy Bridgewater. I picked the Saints to win oh, the Super Bowl God. before the yeah. start of the season. When Drew Brees went out with the thumb injury, I thought they would lose a bunch of games and then get them back and then have to be buried in their schedule and climb all the way back again. No way. Teddy Bridgewater has this team at four and one waiting for Drew Brees to come back in the next two to three weeks. I love the saints 
Kamara running the football, catching it out of the backfield. Thomas, maybe the best wide receiver in all of football now that Antonio Brown and his stats are gone. And that defense with Jordan and the rest of that defensive line, they run around. They are physical and nasty. I think the Saints are the best team in all of football behind the Patriots. Oh, and Teddy Bridgewater, watch out for Teddy Bridgewater. It might be a mistake. Here's here's my prediction. They're not going to lose the game until Drew Brees comes back. <laughs> really, because Teddy Bridgewater is playing so well, but people have that in their mind that he's a backup quarterback. Well, there's, there's a good reason. He's been a backup quarterback most of his career. But he's a guy that could have been a starting quarterback and remember went down with a catastrophic injury and hasn't been one since. But he's got it. We, we got five weeks of math. He's got a better quarterback rating than Tom Brady, than Jimmy Garoppolo, than Lamar Jackson, better quarterback rating than Derek Carr, who's played great, and, and better than Carson Wentz, who the media loves, and Philip Rivers, who the media loves, and Aaron Rodgers, way better quarterback rating than Aaron Rodgers. The list goes on. Teddy Bridgewater is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now, uh, not an opinion, a fact. And should they even, why not just leave him in? Wouldn't be bringing Drew Brees back in, like bringing Clayton Kershaw in. Why bring him in if Teddy Bridgewater is no. doing just fine? Uh, Brees is the franchise. That's his team. He lost his gig due to injury. He'll be back. And oh, he'll play no a really rule about losing your gig to injury that's made up by talk show hosts, and you know it. Oh, th- this guy's great. Drew Brees, he's my pick. And uh, I, yeah. I had him as an MVP candidate this year until he went out. And then finally, we go to the NFC West, where I am shame. Shame. <laughs> uh, I am going to uh, walk the walk of shame because you know I don't drink the Jimmy G Kool-Aid. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pray at the altar of Jimmy G. But those Santa Clara 49ers are 4-0 on the year, and they have one of the best defenses in all of football, uh, led by Nick Bosa and that front six, who are as good and nasty as anybody, and they haven't played anybody either. Their schedule is really weak, very weak, and now their schedule gets the bite in it that a lot of people are going to evaluate. But if they win one more game in the next two weeks, if they pick up their fifth win this early in the season before we get to Halloween – the Niners are going to the playoffs. They're going to get in as a wild card or a division winner. Oh, my They're God, for real. yeah. Oh, my God, yeah, because that defense is real. It's the top defense in the NFC. They're only giving up 14 points a game, as are the Chicago Bears, the two top defenses in the NFC. And so that that's real math so far through a quarter of the season. And if, if you're only going to be giving up that many points, then Jimmy G is going to really look for real because all he'll have to do is hand off if all he's got to do is put 15 points on the board for his 49ers. And Seattle's great. That game that they beat the Rams 30-29, to Russell Wilson was weeping after the game because they put the late owner, the co-founder of Microsoft, Paul Allen, in the ring of honor. That was one of the best football games of the year. I was happy to DVR a lot of these games. I went back and watched every play. That was a brilliant football game, and it shows that Seattle is one of the uh, top-tier teams out there, especially with Wagner and those linebackers. And Are you ready to say it? Because I'll go first. I think that Russell Wilson is the MVP up through week five ahead of Patrick Mahomes. I give him a slight lead in the MVP category so far Ah. this year. Well, this is this goes back to my trusty quarterback rating. This is not an opinion. This is a fact. Russell Wilson's the best quarterback by far in the NFL through five games this season. The top five are Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, and Gardner Minshew of the people who of the guys who have started five games for their teams. And I don't think that Sean McVay is happy with the schedule makers as the Rams got a couple of losses in a couple of days with the Buccaneers. They gave up 55 that at the Coliseum at the Coliseum. Did you pass on your freebies for that game? You could, yes, have, saw, you could have saw a combined 95 points. And it's you too missed bad. out on that. Yeah. It's too bad because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were in town. So I passed on, <laughs> on doing the game and it's too bad because, you know, it's one of those things though, the Rams have not played all that well in the Coliseum. As I mentioned a couple of years ago, the year that, a couple of years ago, they could have gone to the Super Bowl had they played the Falcons away in Atlanta rather than hosting them at home. They really haven't had a home field advantage so much in Los Angeles since they've been there because it's a new stadium for them, too. So uh, that's been a problem for the Rams. And th- th- look, at the Rams window may have closed. Uh, the Rams window, uh, you know, they still will have a great coach. And it looks like a very good quarterback right now. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. We're not sure what's going on there. 
But when it comes to the Rams, we're pretty sure they, sure they have a savant coach that's going to be there for a while. But I'm telling you, the, the last two years, they were brilliant. This year, they're going to dip. They might not even make the playoffs. And the Rams, to me, uh, they're, they're a team that I think is just going to get it right. Once they start winning games, they're going to pick up momentum. But as we said with the NFC North, with the Packers and the great play of Minnesota from time to time and Khalil Mack and the Bears, and Detroit, we got to give Detroit credit. We have to give them credit. They're improved. That race for the division is going to be just as intense as the one in the NFC West between the Niners, the Rams, and the Seahawks, as we've talked about. We gave credit to Jimmy G and the Niners, but I don't think the Niners win that division, but they're clearly in the wild card hunt, and that's a good place for them to be. Now, do we have the same rule with the Detroit Lions that we do with the Arizona Cardinals? (laughs) We don't want to talk too long about the Arizona Cardinals, but I will say, watch, you know, I love my running quarterbacks. Kyler Murray's fun to watch. Uh, Finally, we gave you the top five defenses when it came to points. I want to give you the top five offenses in regards to yards. Mm -hmm. There There is only five teams that average over 400 total yards a game. It's the Rams at five with 413, the Niners at 427, Baltimore, a team that I can't believe this number. They're averaging 441 yards yeah, a game. Best offense with, in the NFL. And then you have Kansas City at 444, and then the Cowboys at 452. So how Tom, come you that, didn't take a look at points? I like looking at points, both with offense and defense. Top five teams in the NFL in terms of points, number one, Baltimore. At number two, San Francisco. At number three, New England. With that offense and defenses, are anybody, are they gonna, anybody going to beat them, especially with that week schedule? At number four, fourth best offense in, in the NFL, Kansas City at 30 points. Also at 30 points at number five is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, wow. So that, that wraps up our look. Most teams have played five games. Some have played four. Right. But we wanted to get to the quarter poll and then have a podcast on all of that and talk about a few things. Tom, on our next podcast, because – we both saw Joker. Yes. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready as we record this podcast okay. because I saw it today. Um, I, I need a day or two to let that sink in. That performance by Joaquin okay. Phoenix was incredible. Oh, my incredible. God. Incredible. And I will tell you, there was a point. And one of the things, and we will tease ahead, one of the things people are having issue with with this movie is – there will be, and I was that guy. I was the guy laughing in the movie theater, but I had to calm my laughter because nobody else was. There were several times in dark moments and dark humor that I laughed. And, you know, you got to tell people when you review, and we're not reviewing yet, but you do have to tell the truth. There was one point, and I'll tell you when we're off the air, mm. where, and then we'll also fill you in on the next podcast, where I laughed so hard and so long that I was like the Joker. It was inappropriately long. <laughs> and I was laughing. And we'll talk about what scene that was in the next JT and Looney podcast. Yeah, I think we have to have three movie reviews in the next one. Joker, okay. uh, Judy, the movie about Judy Garland, which you okay. saw and I have. And, and then I had just a nice cup of tea with my old friends. I thought I was the only sports talk host to ever watch Downton Abbey. But I was tweeting back and forth with oh Rich God. Eisen. Rich Eisen loved the oh, wow. He loved the movie. So, so you're we'll the have... two straight guys that went to see that yeah. movie. Okay. We're the two straight guys, married guys with kids who saw Downton Abbey. Uh, Looney, great that we're back together again yes. on the podcast. Thanks for uh, congratulating me on the new gig on Sirius XM. Again, it's Mad Dog Radio. You can catch me Sunday night through Thursday night from 8 to midnight Pacific, 11 to 3 Eastern at Mad Dog Sports Radio on Twitter, and look forward to our next podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.